What's up, everybody? It is the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast, and guess what? It's listener questions live, and we got a special one on tap for you because we're going to have some guest hosts coming in, and part of the thing we're going to kind of maybe make a little bit of a theme of in this the next few weeks and months, bringing in some some fans, some content creators, all kinds of different people to help us out and give their thoughts on the Bengals offseason and whatnot. I'm Anthony Cazenza, though. You probably recognize my ugly mug if you've been around these parts before and of course i'm joined by the talent john sheeran john uh what's going on my friend happy friday to you is it friday? it's friday right it is friday i'm, I'm <laughs> sick of i'm sick of you implying that you have no talent this channel would be nothing without you man like don't, oh. don't, don't stop selling yourself short ah uh, we're, we're all good we're all good well Good to be with all of you. Hey, we're going to bring in our guests our guests in just a second here. Before we do, I want to let everybody know that you can get in touch with us a number of different ways to get your questions to us. There are a number of live chats going, whether it's on Cincy Jungle's Facebook page, our Orange and Black Insider YouTube channel. Um, and then, of course, you know we've got a, a comment thread on Cincy Jungle on a post there. number of Twitter uh, Twitter accounts that you can tweet to. Email the OB Insider at gmail.com. We'll be monitoring that. And then, of course, you can call or text 949-542-6241. So get your questions in. We'll be here for a little while. And we're going to have some help this week. And we're having some help, John, from a couple of special guests who are Bengals fans. And uh, I, I, think that, I think they listen to our show. I hope they listen to our show. I don't know. But even if they're awesome guys, the errands. Who day AJ hey. and AMAC? What's going on, fellas? How's it going? What's going on, guys? What it do, baby? What's happening, man? <laughs> well, what's going on? Uh, I, I, I gotta. I'll start with with AJ here. Um, tell us if you would a little bit about yourself, uh, where you, where you can be found on Twitter, and just a little bit about your Bengals fandom and all that good stuff. So we, uh, yeah, this is this is your your resume. This is my com- this is my coming out moment yeah. right here. <laughs> I gotta make sure I do not mess this up. <laughs> uh, so uh, my name is Aaron. Uh, I go by uh, on Twitter. It's at double underscore a underscore Hude. Um, so I'm originally from New York, uh, born and raised in New York City. My family we moved to uh, Western New York around Rochester <clears throat> to Rochester. When I was like uh, eight, eight, nine years old. Um, before that, like I never really, never really paid a lot of attention to football. Uh, baseball was my sport. I really liked baseball. I grew up walking distance from Yankee Stadium, the old Yankee Stadium. So that was, you know, that was me. But it, I could look out my grandmother's back window and I could see Yankee Stadium. Wow. So, so baseball was huge for me. I'm not really so much football because uh, you know Giants and Jets they're all out in New Jersey. So uh, when we moved to Rochester, everybody, if you're familiar with Western New York, everybody up there is Buffalo Bills fan. Um, I did not like living in Western New York, so I decided that I was going to hate everything about Western New York. So I decided to hate the Buffalo Bills. And then uh, the 88 AFC Championship game, two-day nation played the Bills, and the Bengals won, and I was like, that's my football team. So uh, that, that's how I became a Bengals fan from New York. Like, that, that was it. And I tell people all the time, like, it, it could have went any other way. That could have been uh, the Chiefs or the Steelers. Anybody, whoever beat the Bills that day would have been my team. But uh, I'm, like, I'm super excited that it was the Bengals and that I've been a part of this since I've been 11 years old and 44 now. Um, got to watch that awesome Super Bowl run this year. So, you know, all the ups and downs, everything, is, it's been worth it. Um, I love it. Bengals Twitter was on fire this year. It was great. Um, 
getting to interact with John and Anthony was 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 been really really cool. Um, get this opportunity to to come on here and uh, you know talk a little bit about myself and then interact and you know things of that nature. Um, I'm also a, a 20 plus year Navy veteran. Um, I do uh, thank you. I um, I do content creating uh, uh, and I do a little social media managing on the side when I'm not working. But um, everything is it's, it's it's who they all day for me. Love it. Awesome. Oh, yeah. Who they? I like that. Yeah, thanks for coming on. And uh, Amac, was it you who had met John um, at at uh, an event or before a game yeah. recently? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so uh, I first stumbled uh, into this this lovely guy. First of all, no, before we even get into this, AC, you got to quit calling yourself an ugly mug, right, man? You got you got the you got the <laughs> cool. Telling him, dude. No, it's, that's what I'm saying. You, you underplay yourself. He's humble, guys. He's humble, but you know what I mean. But anyways, um, yeah. So I met John at uh. It was the it was a uh, like before the Thursday night game against the blind Jaguars. pig, the blind pig. We had they had. A, oh, OK, yeah. I think it was the Lockdown Boys hosted a, an event there. And then I met John there and, I, you know, was just, you know, giving him props. Uh, we we do watch the show, you know, uh, <laughs> pretty, pretty often, uh, uh, much to, to my wife's chagrin sometimes. But <laughs> anyways, um, but no. Uh, uh, so we, we and we start talking there um, and then we met again. At another lockdown event after uh, before the um, was it before the Raiders? Yeah, yes. yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. it was before the Raiders okay. game. Yeah, and uh, and from there we were just like, you know, we kind of we hit it off. And he he was just like, you know, I like he liked what I was saying, and I like what you guys do, obviously. So he you know he he said it, it would, he would like to have me on some time, and I was more than happy to oblige. So well, awesome. Um, but yeah, but outside of that, uh, my fan history is a very standard one. It's not it's not as remarkable. As uh <laughs> before me, as a tough act to follow, you know. But um, <laughs> but uh, you know, now I was I was you know born and raised into it. Uh, you know, I was I was born into the orange and black. Uh, my mom wasn't necessarily a super fan, and then you know, uh, in the nineties. I mean, I was born in nineties, so you know, I, I'm I'm part of that generation, like <laughs> who had to go through, you know, just oh yeah, you know, took your lumps, man. You took, right, your, you, lumps. You, you took your lumps early and often. Um, so, <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I remember like when my fandom actually really started outside of just being placed into it by you know people. I I think I went to the I, I was watching. I would watch Corey Dillon a lot, and I used to just love watching Corey Dillon run oh, the yeah. ball because he was just he was one of the only highlights of the team so at the time. So. Um, and I remember my first Bengals game being the one where he like throws his stuff off on the sidelines. And like, I was like, Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> like, that was, a, that was, that was a great one. But you know, uh, from there, I mean, you know, obviously like I came into my prime during the, during the, um, the Palmer Chad TJ, you know, era of, uh, um, of it all. And then you didn't from there, like the fact that they can't, that they solidified, you know, they were cool. They were the cool Bengals team. But they were the coolest Bengals team that I'd ever seen. Right at the time that I was really starting to understand the game, it was just perfect. So then from there, it's been it's been baked in. You know, I'm, I'm a yeah. lifer. Uh, <laughs> what was it? Bengal born, Bengal bred, something like yep. that. Right there, you yeah. go. There you go. Well, nice. Um, good to have both of you with us. And this will be this won't be the last time for sure that we have both of you on in some capacity, but uh, we, we appreciate you making time. And I, I have to publicly apologize to you both. We talked about doing this last week and just all kinds of things came up. So I'm glad you were able to kind of be flexible and, and make this work. And uh, you know, we, we're, we're looking forward to having your insight and everything as we all kind of talk about some of the things going on in 
Bengals Nation and some of the burning questions on the minds of fans right now. We've already got a couple super chats coming in. And first in line, John from Kentucky is on the phone, got in early. John, uh, good to hear from you, my man. I know you and I go go way back on this show and other shows, and you've seen a lot of Bengals football. I mean, I'm really curious to see what you have to say about not only what's going on right now, but this Bengals season. Oh, it was astounding. And thank you, Anthony. Yes, I've been talking to you for quite a few years now. You know, uh, I was a little bit concerned about the Bengals because, okay, we've made the Super Bowl and uh, some people were asking me, you know, the last time the Bengals made the Super Bowl, the year after that, they were eight and eight. Then I think the year after that, they were two and 14. Half their players were gone. The coach did not get along with the new owner. The previous fantastic great owner was now deceased. And and I said, well, you know what? Now, wait a minute. <clears throat> I think we're in much better shape now than we were in those days. Number one, we have a stadium. You know, when Mike Brown took the team over, he wasn't sure he could keep the team in Cincinnati. Mm. So, and uh, he wasn't really a football guy. So in those days, the Bengals were not really a team that a lot of people wanted to play for. It was pretty obvious. But slowly but surely, things have changed. And, uh, of course, lightning struck, what, three years ago when we got Joe Burrow. Uh, you know, a lot of people in life don't believe in luck, but I want to tell you, I believe in luck when it comes to this. I do think uh, the Bengals finally won the lottery here. But uh, anyway, what amazes me, Anthony, is, you know, I've told people for years, especially my son, I said, son, you know, you see a lot about the Steelers in the media and the Cowboys. I said, look, those teams are names in the NFL. Cincinnati is not a name. They never have been. Well, I was astounded this season with all the support nationwide for the Bengals. I just could not get over it. I guess there's a lot of bandwagon fans, but it was pretty incredible. I've never seen anything like this in my life. Sorry if I'm rambling on here. No, you're that good. That's the most incredible thing. You're good. There's a couple of topics we're going to touch on here, and we're going we're gonna to keep it moving. But, John, always good to hear from you, my man, and I hope you enjoyed this season. I know you've been a longtime Bengals fan. And this was a special one, so I hope you enjoyed it. But we'll we'll answer a couple of those topics off the air, my friend. Take care. All Good right, day. thanks, John. Uh, so a couple things here, a couple things here, um, and we'll start with uh, we'll start with Hootay AJ first, I guess. The were you surprised at kind of the groundswell of support that the Bengals received? <laughs> Through the through the postseason, and you know, I mean, you know, there's the juggernaut of the Chiefs and. Tennessee had some, you know, star players, and then you had all these other teams, the Rams kind of the super team, but the Bengals just kind of seemed to, the fans traveled well, and there kind of seemed to be anyone who didn't have a dog in the fight, in the postseason fight, in the Super Bowl fight, um, didn't really, they seemed to gravitate towards the Bengals. Yeah, so um, was I surprised? I don't know surprised uh, would be the word. I think I, I, I was um I was I was more so just uh, excited that you know that that was the thing. Um, I have a few friends of mine that are Titans fans, so they watched the Titans game with me, and then after that, they're like, "Hey, man, we're on board with your boys." And I was just like, "Man, that's pretty cool." Um, I think the the biggest like real surprise for me, honestly, was how well the fans were able to travel. Like that was like the yeah. biggest eye opener. Um, like uh, 
So obviously a home game with the Raiders and then the takeover in Nashville. Shout out to Bengals Jim for doing that and just like getting the entire tailgate on the road. And then they picked up and went right down to Kansas city. And then everybody that made it out to the Super Bowl. So that, uh, and not surprising in a bad way. I was just um, surprised that, you know, that it's like the caller said, you know, it's a, it, they're not a name name brand team. So like, you know, the, I like to look, think, think about the Bengals as like the, the you know, the blue collar team. So, you know, from a, a small town like that, you know, people just being able to just pick up and get it all together and help each other out and traveling to all those stadiums. Like that's what was the biggest surprise to me. I think the, uh, the, the fan support, especially from um, other, uh, from other teams, that really wasn't a surprise. I think uh, a lot of people really wanted the Bengals to actually, you know, to be good. You know, they, like a lot of times people say the NBA is better when the when the Celtics and the Lakers are good, and the NFL is good when when the uh, when the Steelers and the Cowboys are are good. And I just think, like, you know, it kind of just like felt like, hey, man, this, the Bengals are actually a really good team, and so you know, let's all support behind it. So I, I was on board with it. Um, you can't never call consider anybody a Bengals fan to be a bandwagon. Like who? <laughs> there's no such thing as being. If you're a fan of the Bengals, then you you know you've been a fan of the Bengals. Like I think everything else was just support, and um, I thought it was great, and I loved it. Yeah, and to your point a little bit, the, the one of the guys who has been very very ardent in his criticism of the Bengals over the years, and really even through their success this year, Colin Cowherd, when they made the Super Bowl, he routinely said in the week or weeks leading up to the Super Bowl that the Bengals being good was actually good for the NFL. Um, you know, the parody aspect and all of that. Yeah. And I thought that from a guy that, you know, I know we like to disagree on a lot of points that Colin Cowherd sometimes made, particularly with the Bengals, you know, that I thought that was kind of a, a poignant statement by him and one that I agreed with. Hey, Mac, I want to ask you, uh, and then John, I want to get your thoughts too, because I know you and I have talked about this topic a little bit, but the other, the other facet that John called in about was the Bengals being set up well, or maybe maybe does this team fall into the same trap that the other Super Bowl teams fell into and that they could not make it back, whether it was an aging roster, just could not get over that hangover. I guess you, I know obviously you're a fan, you got the Mego shirt, you got the you got the glasses set that, that the glasses set up there. Uh, but, but realistically though, what are your feelings in terms of the Bengals getting back to the Super Bowl, seizing this championship window, because it, it seems to be ripe for the taking, but it is so hard to get back to that game. Right. And, um, I would say like, that's, that's true. I mean, like before, before you begin this conversation, you always have to put that caveat in the beginning of the conversation. It is incredibly difficult to get back to a Super Bowl. However, um, as far as our, like with that being said, are we set up? Like, I, I don't know that I know a Super Bowl team that went as, as far as we ha- like that got there like that in my recent memory for me, it, but with everybody who was key on offense at the very least being so young and under rookie contracts, like you, you, in, 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 in such a good cap space, like Logically, there should be no reason out barring like catastrophic injury or some things that, you know, you just can't help like the football gods. Like there should be no reason that you don't like you. You're not resource deficient. You know, like it's not like this Super Bowl run left you resource deficient like it does a lot of Super Bowl teams. Uh, you're not you don't you don't have the issue of an aging roster. Every Everybody whose core is relatively young. I mean, 
very young and have been relatively healthy outside of, you know, our guy, the, the number one guy. But I mean, um, but with all that aside, I, I don't know of a Super Bowl team that came out of a Super Bowl and like had even win or lose, whatever. And it was like your future so bright, like uh, outside of like maybe the Chiefs, but the Chiefs were already like, very, like, you know, they were very good before, you know, they got Mahomes. They were a 10 win team anyways. So like that, maybe that like outside of the Chiefs, I don't see too many teams that come out like that. We have we are very like we got so much cap space. The the one major issue that we have is so apparent that anybody like is literally just get guys to fix this, like pay the guys to fix it. It isn't, you know, like I just so I'm I'm very and I will say I have expectations this year, like for the first time in yeah, yeah. maybe since. 2015 like since mm-hmm. like I, I have expectations of like you should be a playoff team it's like barring like everything you know notwithstanding you know like I said catastrophic injury all that stuff you should be at the very least a playoff team and you should be a deep run like playoff team with my talent that's just how I feel about it so yeah yeah John I you know he brings up a good point I seem to remember a lot of those Patriot teams right after they won or made a Super Bowl you know, it was it, it, when free agency rolled around. It was let's let's pay uh, who was it like David Patton and let's let's pay these guys a lot of money because they were cut from the Patriots. And obviously, you know, when they went elsewhere, it was like, oh, boy, that didn't that, that you know, it was kind of the Patriot thing. It's, this team doesn't seem to have all those players to be poached. They've got a couple, obviously, a couple of big ones. Um, it just doesn't feel the same way to me looking at this free agency period. And maybe that's being a little blindly optimistic, but I'd love to get your thoughts, too, on this. So the whole thing about being like ahead of the schedule and playing with house money, if you will, like that is in line with it, just a team who's ascending and not necessarily has gone the whole course of this journey of getting to this point that lasted years. And then it just ended and you kind of sense like there's a, there's a burnout phase from that. And I think that is where you get to Super Bowl hangovers that so we can talk about, like the 2015 Panthers, the 2017 Eagles, uh, just other like the Ravens, even still in 2012, like teams that spent years building their rosters to get to that point and then either winning or losing it, it that that's the pinnacle right and it's hard to get back there and it's hard to get back there regardless of what you do but the difference with this team is that they are ascending in the fact that they can only they can still get significantly better because of the cap space because they still are very young and can gain more experience in that sense and i think and i think amac made a good point here like the whole expectations factor of this whole thing because at least from the outside they weren't expected to do much this season now the spotlight is on them and now they're expected to not only go to the playoffs but do something in the playoffs because there's the precedent for that and i think that could potentially break another team in this situation if their quarterback wasn't joe burrow and i think that's the biggest advantage that the Bengals have in this situation whereas they had the leadership to handle those expectations going forward combine that with the fact that they can get better combine that with the fact that they weren't even their best form during in the regular season to get to that point I think you could definitely see a better product and those things in itself could counter out what many people refer to as a Super Bowl hangover uh let's John uh do you want to pick one of the we've got a few super chats here a couple of good ones do you want to pick from start from there and we can kind of keep it rolling yeah, sure. We got a super chat from Joshua uh, Matter, I believe this is how you pronounce okay. the last name. And he's asking which offensive lineman will keep their starting job. And as Amac was referring to, yeah, like that that's the one definite area where like the team needs to improve. But knowing the Bengals, like 
going all in on this doesn't necessarily mean what the Chiefs did. It's basically like completely replacing the offensive line. We have to figure that at least a couple of guys will be back and now they're competing for starting jobs, maybe retain their starting jobs. So let's start with AMAC here. Like what what do you who which players do you think will keep their starting jobs or just, just still um, be around in the equation? I mean, honest, I, I feel like um and uh a lot of people one of the things that frustrates me about the conversation is like I've I've heard a lot of discourse about um upgrading at center and then moving guys around here and then and paying a guy who plays left tackle and then put him at right tackle or play wherever like and and I just keep thinking back to you know uh Dave Lapham talking he's like, and Willie Anderson's like it's not musical chairs like you pay a guy who plays right guard and then you try to yeah. place him at left guard you're paying for the right guard. You know, you want to put him, put them where they go because that's where you got optimum performance from. If you don't want to, like, my thing is remove all the variables from getting this offensive line. That's why I'm tired of drafting offensive linemen. There's nothing but a variable. I want to pay guys and put them where we play them. So off- offensive linemen, I think, should keep their job. The center, the, there's a chemistry that develops between a quarterback and a center. And it's been apparent that from day one, like, think, think about how Joe Burrow scores his first touchdown in the NFL. He runs it and he's, and he's running behind Hopkins. Like, you know what I mean? Like the whole time and runs it in for the touchdown. Like they have a chemistry there that's, you know, and people want to like judge him. It's like, we all know that he was coming back off the ACL tear earlier in the year. And then if you look at it further on in the year, he was working with like, you know, that right side. I mean, you can only cover for it so much. He's not like an issue. He should stay at his spot. Um, Jonah, that's a tough one for me because I think he should stay at his spot as well, obviously, because we that's what we know him for. But, you know, like a lot of people that a lot of these linemen that are hitting the market, you know, they want to do left tackle because that's where you get the money. Uh, and what do you do there? That's a great question. I think Jonah should stay, but I could see if you get a significant upgrade, like seeing maybe if you want, if you would, you know, try him out there. Um, Quinn Spain, maybe it depends on the money they're asking for. Uh, I don't know that there's a, I mean, the market for him, I can see that those three are, are the ones that I could see maybe keeping their spot the most. The other two is, I mean, obviously that's just like, <laughs> like, like uh, pretty much whoever you could grab that is, is 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 competent and better, like starting quality linemen on that right side need to get there, and those guys can develop, and we'll see. They're great. De- that's the thing. They're good depth. I just don't want them starting seventeen games. Like that's just I don't I don't want that. Like I want starters, and we'll see what happens with Riley Reef. Uh, there's been a lot of you know speculation that maybe he's looking retirement. So I don't know if we would consider him as the one who keeps his spot, but uh, I mean we'll see. I just want to. I know I want to upgrade that right tackle and that right guard position. Obviously, like hands down, I don't care who it is, what you need to get them, get it to them and put it there because you already got the depth. You know, at those spots, you you just need the people you know to start. So. So, AJ, there's been rumors about potentially the Bengals looking at like a Bradley Bozeman at at maybe center, maybe left guard. He played center his last year at the Baltimore Ravens. But just the fact that a guy like Bozeman is being floated around to the Bengals, it insinuates that they're looking potentially to move on from Trey Hopkins. And, and just like Amax said, like right guard, right tackle, those are obvious holes to be filled and upgraded. Is it, is it wise to look an upgrade over Hopkins too when you had those problems there or do you see Hopkins as a guy that you can rely on for maybe one more year so that's a tough one for me because I agree with everything that um the AMAC said about Trey Hopkins um I like the all the the, the people on Twitter and uh, and uh 
various articles talking about when we have to upgrade Trey Hopkins. I I don't I don't see it. Um he's coming off that major injury and he came off the injury like the last game of the season last mm-hmm. year. So it's gonna take a while, you know, to, to come back from that. Um but I, at the same time, I can completely understand if they were to upgrade, uh, if it was, a, you know, n- not even necessarily needing to be a significant upgrade, but if it was a good enough upgrade and, you know, someone that you felt was going to perform better, I-, I could I could definitely see that. Um, the Bo- I-, I don't really think Bozeman is all that, though. You know, like, I, if, He's okay. if you're going to if you're going to if you're going to get Bozeman, you might as well just keep Hopkins. That's, like what I, I that's, that's that's how I feel about it too. That's I watched tape, um, and I think John, you posted some uh, some tweets today with Bozeman, and then I and the only thing I kept thinking to myself was I remember us destroying uh, the Ravens' offensive line, and guess who was the center? Bozeman. Like, so why do I want him protecting Joe Burrow? <laughs> I, give me, you know, give me Trey Hopkins, um, and like Amax said, you got just upgrade the right side. Like, I'm fine with um, Riley Reef coming back. You draft a young tackle. Um, if if Reef wants to come back, we bring you draft a young tackle, you know, and and let him work his way into it. Um, I am not okay with Jackson Carmen. Um, I'm sorry. I, I know the team is high on him. That's why they drafted him in the second round. I am not okay with Jackson Harmon there, not protecting Joe Burrow. That needs to definitely be an upgrade. Um, I'm okay with not really say okay. Like I'm 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 fine with Jonah. I think finally, I think Frank Pollock coming in and working with Jonah Hill was great for his career because like I really was ready to was ready to kick him to the curb. Like, yeah, get rid of Jonah Hill. I'll go out there and try. I'll probably do better than what Jonah Hill was over there. I mean, Jonah Williams was over there doing. Um, <laughs> Jonah Hill, I like it. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was like, I can do better than what Jonah Williams was over there. sounded close enough, though. I, I allowed yeah, it. Yeah, it was close. It was close. <laughs> um, I, one of the things you could do, I, if it's possible, uh, maybe move Jonah to left guard, bring in a Laramie Tunsil, and then you got Hopkins, and then upgrade right side. Um, but uh, yeah, to, to answer your question, I don't think we need to. It's not a necessary need to upgrade from um, from Trey Hopkins. I, I'm fine with letting him come back for one more year, play one more year, draft the center. What's the guy from Iowa? Uh, Leader, Leaner Bomb, Leader Bomb, Leader Bomb. I doubt he's going to be there for us, though. I mean, we'll see. I, the draft is crazy. You never, you never know. I mean, even if it's like a second round, a, a second round center, or you know, mm-hmm. this is going to play well enough. Now he's going to have a full off season to really get back from from that injury, and then you know, let the rookie. That's I think that's a place where you can you can draft a rookie and then slowly bring him along, because uh, like I said, Hopkins is, is more than he's more than serviceable. Um, he just that right side of the, the right side of the line needs to be upgraded significantly. Yeah, I, I just just to kind of wrap on that, um, I, there are a couple of things I would like to see the Bengals do. I mean, number one, they need to definitively internally. They don't need to say it externally, but they need to definitively identify the areas on the offensive line where they say we are not good enough here. And this is where we're making a starter level replacement. And to Amax point, it has to be the guy. It has to be a right guard. And my, my thing is they love, they love the, the players that give you tackle guard versatility. They love the players that give you all kinds of swing versatility. And that's great. That's a valuable asset in the NFL. But a lot of times if you are viewed as a guard tackle in the NFL, you're not really a tackle, right? I mean, that that that's kind of the bottom line. You're 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 pretty much a guard at that point. So, 
I, I would like to see them if they are going to v- value that flexibility factor. I would like to see them really hone in on that on the interior of the offensive line, center guard flexibility, not necessarily guard tackle flexibility, because I, I just feel like you lose some athleticism there. And then I do want to see them not not on every position, but I would like to see some form of almost a swing for the fence type of mentality at one position, whether that is swinging a trade for as unrealistic as it was that John and I talked about it on Wednesday, swinging a trade for a Laramie Tunsil, and then you make a move to Jonah Jonah Williams elsewhere on the line, whether that is, you know, getting a, a Morgan Moses or what have you to, to get an entrenched starter. We go, that is a needle moving move. Um, I, or trade up for Linderbaum. If you think he's not going to be there at 31, right? I mean, that's supposed to be a generational center right there. Um, if, if you're able to, to move up and get the guy, then go get a guy that you feel can really anchor your offensive line, but you can't be gun shy. <laughs> Um, you got to do something a little bit, I feel, out of their comfort zone. Will they do that? John and I discussed that on Wednesday night. Probably not. That's just not really who they are, even even though they were so close to the the ultimate type of success. Um, I, I, they'll make moves. They'll do things. I, I wish they would kind of go a little bit more all in on some of these things, but I don't know that I see it. We'll, we'll see what happens here. I love this one from Nandon, and, and uh, I'll start with you here, uh, AJ. Thoughts on Chris Evans is RB2, um, especially now that Samaj P. Ryan somehow in some way is a little bit of public enemy number one after the Super Bowl there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, so I don't know. Chris Evans is RB2 going forward. There's a lot to like there skill set wise. Um, Five I just, wide with Chris Evans? Eh, yeah. Spooky stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so are we talking RB2 for the team or are we talking RB2 for my fantasy league? Uh, what are we talking about? Um, team, team, team. Team, okay, because I like them both. I like them both. Uh, every time I hear Chris Evans' name, the first thing I think about is that Detroit game when Joey B laid him out there perfectly for that touchdown um, and that same Detroit game. And I'm so upset, and I kept saying it so much, so often, 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 that screen that they threw to Joe Mixon when um, Jamar went down and gave him that block, the whole rest of the season I was like, where's that screen been at? Like, they were, that Super Bowl would have been a great time to break that out. And um, I, I think that's definitely something that Chris Evans is going to bring to the team. Um, he runs a, he runs a lot stronger than Samaj P. Ryan to me. The way you know from the, the opportunities he's had to be in the game, um, he's definitely a threat to catch the ball out of the backfield. Uh, he's definitely someone I trust a lot more uh, to spell Joe Mixon going you know moving forward, keep Joe healthy. Uh, and I think he's a. Uh, I can't believe we got him where we got him. <clears throat> honestly, I, I but. Definitely RB2 all the way, hands down. Um, there should be no ifs, ands, or buts about it. There should be nobody else brought in and free agency unless they're just going to be a camp body to keep um, Joe Mixon and Chris Evans healthy. That And I, that's I, – I don't think I, that's that's it. That's all that needs to be said. RB2, de- most definitely Chris Evans. He's he's, uh, he's, he's my new Gio, Gio Bernard. All right. Mm-hmm. And Max nodding in agreement here. What, 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 I, uh, what's on the mind? So here's the thing. Uh, every every I I love that uh, he should be RB two, but I understand that the the offensive line being bad limited so much. It's weird. Like there's another question. One of the first questions I saw was like talking about Zach Taylor's play calling and how it's holding the team back. And I'm like, it's weird because the offensive line changes so much, even down to who is your RB two. You know why is 
why is Samaj P Ryan in there on these third downs, right? It's because he's the one they trust the most in pass protection, allegedly. Like, I, it, that's what it seems like. So, and, and we don't know what Chris Evans is. He's a variable in pass protection. So when you already have variables on your offensive line, you, you, you can't put another variable back there as the last line of defense for your quarterback. And, and, it, and it takes away what you can do with your tools, all because you have an ailing offensive line. So that's why I feel like Chris Evans, like I try to keep that in mind when I'm like judging and like, you know, the moves that they made and why isn't Chris Evans in there? And it's like, who knows what they, what they think about him in a pass protection game. And they're, you know, if it's a third down or something where he would be in there, that he needs to be able to be versatile enough to do that. And, you know, like, so I love, I, I would love personally, I would love to have Chris Evans in there as much as you could without compromising Joe Mixon's touches because he's such a like he's such a threat and it was such a mismatch in like in the in the passing game. Like I said, you go five wide with him. I mean, what defense can handle that? I don't know that a defense can handle Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, CJ Uzama, or hopefully CJ Uzama or whoever we you know have at that point. And 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 Chris Evans split out. Like, what are you gonna do? Like, you you gotta get to quarterback. If you got a competent offensive line, it's just you're just giving up at least five yards there. So at least that's how I feel about it. And um, but uh, yeah, that I, I would love it. Uh, there's been times where I feel like um, they fell in love with Samaje after that. What was it? The the year that Joe Mixon went down in 2019. Yeah, the Texans Texans game. Yeah, I think they, when they, they when they, really they gave him the extension. Yeah. And I don't like to think that this like the better part. The, the better angels want me to think like, oh, they're putting him out there because he's the best option. But there's a little devil on me like. You guys are just putting him out there to justify that contract. And, I, you know, I know it's unlikely that that's the case. But, you know, there's little whispers of it. But, yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's how I feel. RB2, that's a great Nandon, this smart man. Great minds yeah. think alike. <laughs> John, I got three words when I think of Chris Evans. And first of all, back to AJ's point about the uh, the design screen pass, maybe not having Reef in there and having questions at right guard later in the year. Obviously, that that kind of throws a wrench in being able to consistently call that play. But three words I think of with Chris Evans and I go, where is it? Is designed shovel pass. That that seems like that would be a bread and butter play for a guy like well, Chris turn him Evans. Into Brian Leonard, like what? what, what yeah, I love it, man. With the red zone issues, Leonard. come on, I love it. I right. love it. The new Rex Burkhead. Right. Yeah. Man. In, in, in fairness, though, uh, the the play that um, AJ was referring to, that was like some play action, and then the you had the entire defense flown one way, and then you had mixing. It wasn't. Yeah. I don't think it was necessarily a screen, but yeah, it was a great block by Chase. In fairness to Pirine, if someone has to take defense of him, I think he had a tougher touchdown when he actually scored on the screen pass against the Kansas City yeah. Chiefs. So that was yeah. the highlight. Oh, of yeah, his yeah. Career. He did. Yeah, that's why. Like, but, I don't hate him. I just, you know, yeah, like, I just know but, that when you run a screen to the wrong side, you know, it makes me look at you a little different. That's all. Of course, yeah. <laughs> like every every forty one yard screen for Pirine, he ends up messing up another play, and that's that's the <laughs> reality with him, right? He's just he's pretty limited, and mm-hmm. I, I think. I don't think you're that far off, Amac. Like I think there is the point that he's making two million a year, and you want him as the the second running back behind Joe Mixon because you had that perceived confidence in him. But I think when they drafted Evans, they had a plan for him, and I don't think that plan was to get him involved immediately, but just have him just honing on his skills and then to develop into that receiving option that you were referring to. And I think that is ultimately going to be the plan with him going forward. I think just in general, having Piran as a guy to maybe spell Mixon for like like three to five carries a game just to get him a little rest, but they'll make it any anything too interesting or any, anything too creative. If you want Evans in that explosion and that dynamic, 
as an athlete, you want him on the perimeter. You want him outside the tackles because that's where he can do the most damage. And they have three more years left of him in, on his contract. And I think they will eventually get that kind of production. And at the same time, the more you take Joe Mixon off the field, the more less value you're getting for, with, with, out of that deal with him. So it's a weird game that you have to play with with all this. But I think going forward, you will see more opportunities with Evans. And especially now that Pirine is not really going to change much as an athlete or as a running back in general. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, talking with the Aaron's Hootay, AJ, and AMAC joining us as guest co-hosts on the round table and listener questions live. Be sure to get your questions to us. I'm Anthony and joined as usual by John and having a couple special guests. You can call or text 949-542-6241. We've got a few texts in the queue. We're going to try and get to those. You can submit your questions via chat. We're trying to give the super chats a little bit of priority we've got a couple more to get to on that front and then of course we're monitoring twitter email the ob insider at gmail.com and a post on cincyjungle.com facebook you can submit uh, questions as well so no excuses play like a champion get your questions in we're gonna be here for a little (laughs) while longer uh let's go if if we can this is just a fun one take a little break from this heavy talk here our buddy Stuart, who is always so generous with with us here do you guys have a favorite play or game in the past season what really got you out of your seat i'm gonna if you guys don't mind i'm gonna start because i literally have a play that got me out of my seat at paul brown stadium the one game i went to where i finally met my boy john in person um in week one against the vikings uh i mean the the play to chase after all the preseason stuff about drops and the bomb, and there he is right there. That was one. But in that game as well, I was I was pretty uh, pretty irritated with the allowing of the Vikings to come back in that game a bit. And in overtime, that play to C.J. Uzama, the play action fake on the fourth down that got him into field goal range. I was I was standing the entire game. I started to sit because I felt like the Bengals were letting this one slip away. 
And there's that, there's that play. That one got me out of my seat. I think uh, obviously there are many, many others in the postseason and whatnot, but that was one. Thanks for allowing me to go first. Hey Mac, I'll let you go next. Um, what a year to ask that question, right? I know. Um, I think my favorite game probably, no, I'll do my, I'll do my favorite game and my favorite play. My favorite uh, game was probably hands down the, 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 the Kansas city game the first time around. It was like, I, it was just, it was such a, like, it was like a glimpse into what this team like at their when they're working at their almost full potential, at least offensively, could be because we had had so many games where like most of the season we were relying on a, a bit of explosion here and there from the from the offense, and then you know the defense playing stout or you know holding or putting the clamps on as much as they could, and uh, you know, but this game was just like it was like explosion after explosion after explosion, like over and over and over again, even if it was inconsistent, it was just like, we, I felt unstoppable third and 29. Who cares? Like it's just throw it to chase. He's yeah. there. He's open. He got it. So, you know, I, that, that was my favorite game to watch because I was like, man, if we could, this is what it could be. You know what I mean? And then, um, and then you got the, the nameless, the name platelist Joe Burrow at the end. Yeah. Like, that's the, come on. That's movie stuff, man. That's yeah. like amazing. Um, and then my favorite play though was probably the 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 49ers game. The pass, man, the chemistry between Chase and Burrow on display and that pass in the back of the end zone, and he catches it with just like no room to like step out of bounds and the throw from Burrow while he's almost out of bounds. Like, man, it was just such a I still remember him doing it. He does he does this, like get over here. Yeah, ah, throws it down the field, and it's just it's it's beautiful. I saw that. I, I watched that on replay like a lot. I, I remember going back to that play. I know we lost the game, and you know, but man, that play right there, man, I was just that was I was I was astounded. Like that was that was when I was like, there's there was already no question for me, but like about but I'm like chemistry matters. Like if there's ever a, a case of what chemistry matters right there between a wide receiver, 10,000 p- catches or whatever, that is the result right there. So yeah. AJ? I can't believe he didn't step out of bounds. Oh, I, 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 I cannot <laughs> believe he didn't step out of bounds. I, my brain just couldn't accept it. I just kept looking for reasons why they were going to call it back. Like, there's I, right. I was like, can't be, something's wrong, right? Like, yeah. Uh, I was, something had to go wrong. Um, so for me, oh man. So I'm gonna go game and play. Since Amac already talked about Jamar, game and play. Uh, favorite is gotta is gonna be for me the, uh, the the Raiders game. Um, so like I said, so I became a fan of '88 off that uh, AFC Championship win. I was 11. I, like I said, I really didn't grow up watching football, so I didn't. Um, like something that AMAC talked about before, like, you know, just as he was really getting into and understanding the football was, you know, the, the Carson Palmer Bengals. So I, I just picked the team because they beat the Bills. So um, that Raiders beating the, beating the Raiders and ending that and uh, ending the 31 year drought, that was really, really special. Um, I think, Anthony, I don't know if you, if you liked or, or, or commented under my, uh, my tweet because uh, that, that game, like I, 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 I went live on during that game, so that was uh, when um, uh, the interception, the Jermaine Pratt interception. Mm-hmm. The only thing I kept saying was no flags, no flags, just no flags, no flags, no flags, no flags. No flags. Um, yeah, I think that got like a bunch of retweets and likes and everything because yeah. it's just me 
And the same shirt I'm wearing now, my Joe Mixon jersey shirt, just yelling, no flags, no flags. And they were like, yeah, no flags. No. So, yeah, that's so I'm going to go. I'm going to go game and play. Same one. Raiders game and in the drought. And then uh, Jermaine Pratt and that outstanding interception right there. I like that was, it. That's that's definitely my um, favorite in person. I went to what two games, and that was one of them. And just seeing the whole stadium just oh my god in a way that I've never seen before in my life. Like that was that was a surreal moment oh, for sure. Um, but to to give a different answer here, I'm gonna say my favorite play was probably third and twenty seven against the Chiefs. Uh, just. One go, go ball one on one with Jamar Chase. Like no, uh, just that 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 whole series. It, it's so defining to me because they had like a they had like a holding, they had a sack, and then it was second and twenty seven. They could have just <laughs> took like a little little gainer to get in field yep. goal range. No, they went deep to T Higgins again. Then it was a complete. Then they could have again just had a little dump off to get into field goal range against Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. No, they went for it all and they got it all basically. And then they. They they eliminated the clock and won the game. Like that game, uh, I, I think instilled confidence in the entire fan base that they can compete with anybody. Like they can go to the playoffs and actually do something. I think it was such a turning point in Zach Taylor's tenure and just this entire Bengals team's identity. It was so impactful. But you know, it may never happen again. Like I don't think that any right. team will ever defend Jamar Chase like that that <laughs> ever again in that situation. But it was a great one time thing. Man, he never caught know. that ball. He held it like he caught it and it was he like caught it and was holding it all like, over the place. Yeah. Like get he away from me! The, I still have it. Head. You're never gonna get it. Like it's right. okay. Like <laughs> it was like it was like that, that commercial. Huh? You almost yeah. had it. Like, yeah. 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 It was like this yeah. in the end zone too. When, you, it was, yeah. when he scored, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. yeah. Honorable mention has to be that. Uh, when Kevin Harlan described it as he put him in a blender, put they, him, they in put a him in a blender. blender. The yeah, Ravens, yeah, yeah, yeah. eighty-two yeah. yards. Chase, he put him in a blender. Oh my he, he gosh! Has a, yeah. He has a. There's a still shot of him like coming out of the spin with like he's pointing forward. I was like, yo, that I got to do something with that. Like that is a yeah. cool image, man. But yeah, I'm sorry to interrupt, Anthony. Sorry. Oh, you're good. That's that's all I was saying. I just that was an honorable mention for me. We're gonna be our, 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 both. Both you guys are. Are you okay on time? Oh yeah, man. Yeah. I'm good. All right. yeah. All right, John, you're good. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm asking, not telling. By the way, I am asking. <laughs> um, no, John, you good? You good? Yeah, 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 yeah. You're good. You're good. You, will, uh, you will be good. Yeah. Uh, where do you want? I'll, I'll let you pick the next one, John. Uh, where do you want to go next? Hmm. So I think we had just a normal comment here not too long ago. I think it was like, if you could have like, oh yeah, here we go from One Nation Underground. If you could pick one free agent right now, anybody pocketbook or po- checkbook not an option unlimited money if you could have one free agent right now who would it be anthony you go ahead and start uh, i believe it was this one right here who um no not that one I'll have right to person wrong find, comment. yeah i'll have to find it well, has been going off in the chat so yeah yeah i like it though um they're, they're talking they're getting the uh, oh right here um you know i i just keep going back to in terms of a free agent and in terms of getting another solid tackle and maybe not, maybe not breaking the band. If you look at Morgan Moses and the fact that he had a pretty solid year with the, with the Washington football team a couple of years ago and only parlayed, especially I think his PFF score overall was in the eighties, parlayed that only into a pretty manageable one year contract with the jets. 
from an affordability standpoint, he's not probably going to be an all pro guy or anything like that, but he's younger than Riley Reef. You could probably get him on at least a, a, he'll get a good contract, no doubt about it, but this isn't inheriting a Laramie Tunsil type of contract in my, in my estimation. So to me, I think you get a little younger, you pr- provide that steadiness on the, on the other tackle spot. It's not going to move the needle as much as a Tunsil trade or anything like that. But to me, I think a Morgan Moses, we'll see what happens. I, I haven't been monitoring, admittedly, uh, stuff today. So I don't know if he's signed a franchise tag. I hope not if I'm going in a Morgan Moses tirade here. But uh, as of as of now, that's a guy I think that I think you can get on a, on a relatively decent deal and uh, can help your offensive line out. And then you can kind of figure out, okay, you've got Jonah on one side. You've got Moses on the other side. You've already got some developmental guys that you're trying to work with at the guard spots internally. You can maybe draft some more as long as you have those bookend players. Um, that that would be a guy to me, I think, that I look at and say just it makes a lot of sense. AJ, let's, let's go with you next. Um, so, if, yeah, if, if pocketbook doesn't matter whatsoever, then uh, just sign me up with Teron Armstead right now. Yeah. Yeah, like uh, – you just look at the – so what I, I like to look at and like to think about is you look at the team that the Saints had last year. Uh, they No Drew Brees, and then um, Jameis Winston actually doesn't play terribly bad. It doesn't look bad at all, but then he tears his, tears his ACL. So then they trot out Trevor Simeon and Taysom Hill, and the Saints <laughs> still almost found their way into uh, a playoff spot. You know, I think when if they finish nine, did they finish nine and eight or nine and yeah? I think they finished nine and eight. Um, so that just goes to show like how good Sean Payton was as a head coach. But those three quarterbacks between Jameis Winston, Trevor Simeon, and Taysom Hill, they did not get sacked a lot. They were still able to run the ball very well with um, with Alvin Kamara and uh, and I forgot who they brought who they brought back in there when Kamara got hurt for a little bit. But that's the kind of offense that that's the, that's the tackle that I want. You can keep those guys up, and you can make them like those three quarterbacks look relevant. And almost, yeah, just give me Taron Armstead. That's my guy. Because <clears throat> if you're telling me that pocket, if the if the pocketbook doesn't matter, you know, there's no hey, right. just giving the money there's, there's no consequences behind well, it. Yeah. Well, he seems definitely like the like the consensus. Like, obviously, we don't think that that's going to happen, but you know, right. there's. There's, there's so many free agents out there, and it feels like he's just the one guy that just meets need and, and everything. So, hey, Mac, you got a mm-hmm. different answer, or you, you want Armstead? Too? I got a different answer. Uh, I mean, uh, Armstead's fine, but just for the sake of conversation. Um, yeah, I want J.C. Jackson. Give mm. me that guy in the cornerback room right now. Because that way, you take a strength, or you take, a, you take something that, that was strong, and you just make it even stronger. A lot of our sacks this year came, they were like coverage sacks. And I'm not opposed to keeping that the case because that means you can just still keep your rush for, you know, tendency and and keep these quarterbacks who are really good at under blitzes and stuff, keep them holding it just a a beat longer than than they need to. And I think that we got some guys who can get home, especially with, um, well, I don't want to put too much faith in a rookie because technically it's unproven, but, you know, if if you, if, if, uh, uh, what's his name? Um, Osai. Uh, Osai comes back and he's anything like he looked like he, like he was supposed to be. And uh, uh, you got him and, and, and Hendrickson rushing and you got a solid secondary man. Like 
you know, and then not to mention the takeaways factor, you know what I mean? Like just more people who can take the ball away, more possessions for Burrow. Like, so yeah, JC would be a, a good one for me. If pocketbook means is, is, is not a, is not a question at all. Like I would like to see that. Yeah, that's that's a good one, and I think Mike Hilton was trying to recruit him on Twitter, like he, like he <laughs> yeah. tries to do with yeah, the people. entire rest of the NFL. <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> I, I think people love Armstead because he's such like a scheme fit, and he's obviously dominant, and he plays left tackle. And the Bengals already have a decent left tackle, but you can move around Jonah if you if you feel like you need to. The biggest need still though is is guard, either guard spot, and I think the guy that fits that the best regardless of money and everything is probably Lakin Tomlinson who is the same age as Armstead yeah. but he doesn't have the injury history and that the injury history of Armstead is a little bit overblown he hasn't missed that many games that was a couple of years ago it's just been kind of on and off of late but there is no real concerns with Tomlinson at all he's been in the league for like six years now he comes from that Shanahan system where they run a lot of wide zone just very scheme diverse it's just not really anything that he can't necessarily do and he's just really good in everything that he does. And he's 30, so the same age as Armstead. So he still has presumably two to three more dominant years left. I don't think he's going to absolutely break the bank at the guard market, which, again, it definitely would matter for the Bengals' perspective. But I think just filling that absolute need and just plugging one of those holes, a guy that can do anything that they ask him to, I think that makes a lot of sense. I like it. Uh We've got a few texts. I want to try and get to those. And then we've got some other uh, questions in the chats that we want to try to to get to as well. Um, We had a comment. uh, Man, a lot of offensive line stuff. Uh, Here's one from Dre saying, I I don't think the offensive line was much better this year than last year. Did Frank Pollock have the impact you thought he would? Yes and no, in my estimation. I, I would say that he did a pretty good job with what was there and what he was able, able to use in terms of injury and whatnot. John and I have talked quite a bit about, you know, to me, it, what, what it, what seemed like the biggest improvement was, especially when you had, you know, reef in there and whatnot, there, there just was a far fewer amount of those drive killing penalties, those holds, those false starts. It, it, it got a little more prevalent as the year went on, but I mean, man, when it was, Redmond and Bobby Hart and and that crew out there it was it was false start after false start it was hold it was and it would just absolutely kill drives now what what ended up killing drives this year were the sacks that were taken and obviously the amount of hits that Burrow took that which are far less than ideal but to me the one big area is that I saw improvement was I guess if you want to call it discipline disciplined play wherein they were just not getting called for nearly as many holds, not as many false starts. And I think that that was a quiet key to the Bengals putting up a lot of points and having these offensive explosions against teams. But, John, I don't know what you think about about that. I'd love to hear from the Aarons as well on this. Yeah, I think the biggest thing was that they just played like a more synchronized unit. Like there was a lot less chaos, and the pitfalls of the unit had nothing really to do with coaching. It was just they just didn't have the players. Yeah, Yeah, like – I, I I mean obviously coaching it is involved of putting Hakeem Adenji at right guard and, and getting <laughs> Isaiah Prince and keeping him out there instead of maybe another option. But as far as just the guys who were out there, like the mistakes were just it was just personnel wise. It wasn't miscommunication. It wasn't like Anthony said, faulty penalties. And I think just the overall effectiveness of run blocking again, it, it still was just a lack of personnel. But I think the unit 
in terms of just run blocking, I think they performed as good as they possibly could have. And I don't think you could have said that had Jim Turner still been here. And I think Joe Mixon's great season was a testament to that. So it can only get better the better players that are there. But I think the coaching is in place. and It'll probably only get better now that they have a third guy who's presumably going to be focusing more on development. AJ? Yeah, so, um, so before this season, Joe Mixon's best season came when Frank Pollock was the offensive line coach. And that, you know, that can't, I can't go understated that as soon as Frank Pollock came back, Joe Mixon said that like he's came out and he was tweeting. He's like, my guy is back. And, you know, and what it did, Joe Mixon was number three rusher. And, uh, and, uh, and uh, I don't know if it was number three in the league or I think he was like number three in the league in Russian and all the like 13 rushing touchdowns and four receiving touchdowns. So uh, Frank Pollock definitely, he definitely made a, a big difference, a vast difference along the offensive line. And like John pointed out, you, you, you can only work. You can only work with what you have, right? And um, not disparaging any of those those men who are playing the sport because they're playing the sport. We're talking about it, but um, <laughs> yeah, I feel like he got the most out of the talent that is on the field. You know, like uh, all the, like you're, like all the penalties and all those things. Like those are gone, um, and that that comes with that. That is that's coaching and that is discipline. That is consistency. That is just you know, the guys looking at each other and they look at Frank and Frank's like X, Y, Z. And those guys are like, yeah, X, Y, Z, let's just go do it. And they were just out there, you know, doing the, doing the best of they doing, uh, doing the best of their ability and then just doing it well on a consistent basis. And if you make some, make some upgrades, just, and so just like, imagine that make, he makes some upgrades and give that guy more talent. You know, like I would go back to the, this, the, the point I made about the New Orleans Saints, like, look what Sean Payton did with that team. And I, I can't believe Trevor Simeon, uh, Taysom Hill, and Judge and Jameis Winston. Though they got nine, how they get nine wins out of that, that football <laughs> team? Like I, I do not understand. Um, I, I don't know. So coaching goes a long way. So yeah, I think Frank Pollock did an outstanding job. I'm glad he came back. Yeah, A Mac. There's just the, that still chicken. It's John. John talked about it, the chicken of the egg argument, where mm-hmm. you know there's the the development. And I think we all are are in agreement that he got the most out of what he had, but yeah. they also gave him a lot of responsibility. It seems as a coach, and maybe a lot of say, being the run game coordinator. So the in some ways, I think the gripe is, yeah, the, he got a lot out of Joe Mixon. The penalties were decreased, all that sort of thing. But he probably also still has some form of a say in the perceived overall lack of talent that was collected on the offensive line. So I, I think there's a little bit of this and that. With, and with I would, I would what I would rebut that with, like is uh, I would say it, that would be cool if it wasn't a historic tendency for the Bengals to do this, to undervalue the guard position and to not, you know, like to try to get what they can and get by with what they can. It, they've historically, made mistakes. I mean, from the Cedric Ovehi stuff to the Billy Price pick to like, I mean, you could, it's just, it's just, they've been uh, ever since the you know, letting Whitworth and Zeitler walk the same year. Like, like you, those are just things that, um, you know, that they, is a tendency that they had before Frank Pollock. So I'm not ready to put that on Frank Pollock. And to me, the, like, you know, there was, you know, things that were said like when we were like, oh, you know, we can't spend all this money on a guard because we're trying to extend Jesse Bates. And then you don't extend Jesse Bates. You know what I mean? And then you miss on your second round draft pick that you picked to yeah. f- fix all of that. Like those are all things that like I'm I, 
Frank did what he did. He's the run game coordinator, and the run game looked the best it had in, you know, what, two years since, you know, Turner got here. So, I mean, give him credit for where it's at. Like you said, the, the team, there's no way this team survives if they commit as many penalties and give up as many sacks. Like if they gave up the sacks they gave up this year and commit the penalties that they committed in years past, there's no way oh, this team oh. gets gets where they got. No way. No way. I don't not even a little bit. So, you know, with that, you know, you got to look. He's he's coaching from a, a handicap, a talent deficiency. So you're going to get like and everybody knows that. And the fact that you got that, like they were able to get to the Super Bowl with that, you know, and with him like coaching through that, like. I, don't, I think he's worth it, like, for sure. I mean, especially – and how can you – I don't understand how you can even question if he's worth it after you come off of Jim Turner. <laughs> like, like when he, like I mean, did you not watch the last two – like, and then the difference between the two? Like, he's absolutely had an impact. Like, there's not even a question about it. Like, so, in my yeah. opinion, anyway. So, I know he's, he's had an impact. You can't argue, like, whether it was what they expected or whatever. I think so. I just think that they did not get the talent that they needed to get for it to really, really show to our eyes who don't get to see behind the scenes and the installs and all of this stuff. So, yeah, so. All right. Well, let's let's couple up a, a couple of different uh, super chats here talking about talent on the offensive line, and then we're going to switch gears and maybe start closing up here because we are going long, but this has been a ton of fun. We've oh, yeah. got Drake, Drake Berry. Uh, what are your thoughts on Connor Williams from Dallas? If you were to offer him, what would that look like? Talking about adding, uh, you know, Amac, you were just talking about adding talent. Then Hooday here uh, with a creative number uh, for their super chat donation. There, do you six hundred ninety? Yeah, That's creative uh, about that. Uh, do you yeah, nothing? Do you think the O line will fundamentally <laughs> change, or is the front office content with half measures like Reef? I, I don't know if half measures is really a fair assessment there john um what do you what do you think about connor williams uh, being added to potentially being added to the team and the offensive line and you know or, or is it going to be a little bit more bargain bin hunting i know we talked a little bit about this on wednesday yeah connor williams makes a lot of sense just because he's young and he hasn't you hope that he hasn't played his best football yet and that's entirely reasonable because he's only 24 years old. The penalties are kind of worrisome, and but there's yeah. still a lot of good things that he does in the run game. And you think that with a better coach, like he can be a more technically refined pass protector. But that's just betting on youth and upside, which is what they did kind of in the past couple of years in free agency. And that's why he could be more affordable than some of the other guards. But I think that kind of leads into the second part of the question. Will they fundamentally change how they build the offensive line? I don't think so, because that would involve them getting like, true truly like like the the, the armsteads of the world right like the like the lake and tomlinson's like the known commodities that, that 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 end up costing a lot more than some of the other pieces i don't think they will ever truly get to that point and i i don't know what could possibly push them aside from just different ownerships so i, I think you, you will see guys like williams i'm not predicting williams specifically but a williams signing makes sense because of those factors of what would make him more affordable than some of the other like known pieces yeah aj um, ah, <clears throat> uh, it's tough. And the only reason why I say it's tough is because you know everything that Amax said. Uh, we've seen it happen before, and in, uh, undervaluing talent and over undervaluing the talent and overvaluing your own personal knowledge that has bit the oh, Bengals yes. in, in, in yeah, the that butt. That is well said. Yeah, that you is know well what I mean. Said. Like, and um, 
that that's that's really what it boils down to when you let Andrew Whitworth go and then you let Kevin Zeitler go. Then you watch them go off and have the careers that they had and the guys that you brought in, Obwehi and, and Fisher. Oh. Um, yeah, oh, God. Fisher was sick, though. I don't want to beat on him too much. Yeah. Didn't he have yeah. a heart problem? Like, yeah, it yeah. Was oh, yeah, yeah. So I, I, we can't – That this is not the time to go down that – like the uh, like they said that the, the half measures. I won't call Riley Reef a half measure like Anthony yeah. Anthony said, but I know what the what the the um the consensus the who they, what he was saying when he put the message in there. Um, mm-hmm. This is not the time to do that at all. Uh, so yeah, you bring in a Connor Williams and you let Frank Pollock work with him and you let other uh, veterans work with him. If he you know if he has if he, penalties like a holding or if it's false starts, you know that's why you have veterans on the team. Like, hey, guy, this is, you know, you work together with them. And, hey, guy, this is how we do it here. This is the reason why we don't have our penalties. Um, but, yeah, this, you, no. Um, and, you know, if you don't want to break the bank, if you don't want to go too far, if you don't want to do super, super crazy elite, that's fine. But um, this this is not the time to joke around. This is not the time to play and go, I, I let's just run it back with the guys we had last year. Like, no, this is. You run it back with the guys you have last year if you never made it to the Super Bowl. So in year three, if Zach Taylor goes 17 games, if he goes 8-9, and nine, or if he goes 7-10, and 10, okay, let me run it back. You got to just, just get to the Super Bowl. Okay, like, it's not joke around time. Uh, Joe, we, will not, we don't want Joe Burrow in and out to be Dan Marino. Go to one Super Bowl and like, we could do this. I got Mark Duper, Mark Clayton, Dan Marino. Let's go. And then it never happens again. Um, because you don't make you don't make the necessary adjustments, and that's what killed Dan Marino. They never had they never gave Dan a running game. The defense was never good enough. They just they were like, hey, we can just keep running it back because we have Dan Marino. But this is not the time to do that. You have Joe Burrow, you got Jamar Chase, T Higgins, and CJ Uzama, and um, Joe Mixon, and so you just go. You got to go out there and you have to make an impact signing. It doesn't have to be ultra elite. It doesn't have to be tearing Armstead like John said. Um, it has. It just has. It has to be a good, impactful signing on offensive line. Right. That's what it has to be. Yeah, Amac. Yeah. I'm. I'm still not over the whole Nate Living's Evan Mathis disaster. Oh, uh, from 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 that, and the Bengals just not just kind of not getting out of their own way on that and making the wrong decisions there. I don't know if that's really pertinent to the conversation that we're having right now, but I'm still yeah. holding on to some anger yeah. there. It's all uh, good. But, but your your, I mean, your thoughts on these two questions here. Yeah, so uh I mean the 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 question about the the half measures and things like that, it's much like he was saying, like and it goes back to a point that I made earlier, is that every time you compromise on who you're going to get, like when you're trying to take half measures and you're trying to cut or when you're trying to cut corners or whatever, what you're doing, you're adding more variables. Right. You're just adding the chance that he could work. Oh, this guy, he'll take this much in this ceiling. Da, da, da. The more variables you add to that line, that that's the thing I'm tired of seeing. Like you, you have not. It's been. It's six. No, more. What, six years since you've been like solid. I mean, you, you got Jonah Williams like right, I guess. Bare, like, you know, what I mean, like he, he's working out so far. But I mean, you've had much many more whiffs in this point. Then you have it. And, and like like you said, getting in the way of letting your own personal knowledge and your own personal things get in the way of what is just clearly, obviously, the best option there is just is, is something that I don't want to see. Um, I think that they will change, though. I like I've never I was at that uh, pep rally um, that they had afterward uh, after um, the season was over. 
I've never heard Mike Brown talk so greasy. He's like, he was talking like you like it was like it was like it was almost like it was, it was like a warning, a warning to the rest of the I've never heard him be that way. Mm. Like I feel like he is feeling the energy and the change. And not only is he feel, feeling, he's seeing it. It's it's registering the pocket. You almost sold out your season tickets. Like, I don't even know. Has that ever happened? Like, I don't I don't know that that has happened before, like in Bengals, in my Bengals history. So, like, I mean, like, and, and everybody was there. Like, the, 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 it's a park full. Of, you look out, it's a sea of people in a park for a team that came in second place. You know what I mean? You didn't even win the Super Bowl. And it was yeah. just like, it was a lot of people. Their energy was there. We stood, we're, it was like kind of drizzling rain. It was cold. It was dreary. And we're just standing in this muddy front yard or the muddy park yard and just, just, Hoping to to say yeah, it turns out to be more of a, like a political rally or anything. But anyways, uh, <laughs> but but um, but like that's what I'm saying. Like the excitement there. If you can't feel that, you can't see those thirty thousand fans sound like a hundred thousand fans when you have your pep rally in the stadium and everybody's coming out and it seems like the stadium's full and it's only the bottom row. Like that has to change you. I understand that they're shrewd and I understand he's in his way and own way and things like that. But I don't think he's seen this level of excitement even with. His, the successful teams that he's had in the past, I don't think there's been this level of optimism. It's like yeah. a combination of optimism and excitement and expectation. You know what I mean? Like, this, it's a perfect blend of all three. And, you know, this could alter how you think. And, you know, uh, you know, he's not he's not a spring chicken either. Like, you know, he I think he wants to get one and he's seen how close he like. I don't think that you can come away being that close and not do everything you can to get back so i believe them when they say that they're gonna you know they're gonna now granted what that means to me and what that means to them could be two different things you know but i do expect a more concerted effort to to correct our our shortcomings in this in this upcoming thing i think that there will be at least some type of change in the mindset approaching this and lot lost in in this conversation a little bit is you know we we know these guys want their money like their money but they also are probably in tune as to just what the Bengals did last year and who their quarterback is, meaning these outside free agents looking for a contract. Not saying they're going to get some huge discount or whatever, but if there is a comparable deal on the table between two teams and they're looking at the Joe Burrow-led Bengals as opposed to somebody else, they may be more inclined um, to take something that maybe slightly less appealing than, than another place. Who knows? Um, You know, we, we've seen that and heard about that happening before. Let's get to a couple more, John, and we'll get out of here. Do you see one that we need to, we need to get to? And I appreciate all your guys' time here. I know we're going long, but this has been a great chat. Yeah. I figure we use it. I fear we do a little bit of a rapid fire session here. We have, I think, two questions that we, right. me and Anthony, addressed in Wednesday's show. So we'll go back and forth with the errands here with a little rapid fire. First of all, you have BJ Hill, Larry Ogunjobi both entering free agency. One of them gets resigned, both of them gets resigned, or neither one of them gets resigned. Let's go with AMAC first. I say one of them gets resigned. Um, honestly, at that point, whichever one is, the contract looks more favorable uh, to the team. Uh, like, and I think, uh, like, I think you guys might have said this. Uh, who, like, they might put contracts out, and whoever gets it first is who gets it first. Kind of like that type of deal. So I think that'll go. Um, I don't know that like Ogan Joby's good, but he has some inconsistencies there. BJ Hill is also good. Um, so yeah, that's it's kind of like a pick'em's type deal there. Hey, AJ, um, it has to be one or the other. If we can get both, I would love to have both back. Uh, I think I would prefer 
I think I prefer BJ Hill over Ogunjobi. Mm-hmm. Um, I think both are very good in the run, but um, I think BJ Hill is—he's more of a, uh, a a dual threat. He can get—he uh, does very very good against the run, and he's also great. He's—he's uh, a, he's a little bit better. He grades out a little bit better at rushing the passer, and plus he had that awesome interception too. So that that puts him over the top for me. Yeah, and then so yeah, those two will be in focus for them to resign, but obviously none will be bigger than Jesse Bates, and that window is now like I think less than two weeks to get him franchise tag. So what are we thinking there? Are we thinking tag an extension or tag he plays on the tag, or they don't do anything with him at all? AJ, I think honestly, I, I think the deal gets done. Um, I personally believe that uh, the money that that they're going to use to sign Jesse is going to come from cutting Trey Wayne's. Trey Wayne's out the door. Take that money, flip it over, and use it um, and use it for Jesse Bates. Um, I don't really see them using the franchise tag on him. Mm-hmm. Um, reason I, I don't really have a good reason why. Why don't I don't think they would use the franchise tag on his safety? Maybe it's to shoot. Maybe it's to shrewdness, and it's gonna it would cost too much money in the long run. Is it be better just to make sure they got the deal done? But I see them using the tag, you know, some somebody else is going to cost a, a whole lot less, like maybe on the BJ Hill or maybe on the Ogan Joby. Like you sign you sign Hill, franchise tag Ogan Joby, and then bring in, you know, Jesse Bates in the deal. But I think that money is going to come from when they cut Trey Waynes. Uh, and I think that's why the extension hasn't happened yet. Uh, they want to wait to see exactly how much money they're going to have in the um, with the salary cap and then how much money they're going to be able to save once they cut Trey Waynes. <clears throat> Which I'm, I'm kind of upset that didn't work out with him, and I'm sorry to keep talking. I'm kind of so upset it didn't work out with Trey because I, I think I thought he was a very good uh, corner coming out of Minnesota, like I, you know, and we'll really wanted him to do well here, but unfortunately, it didn't work out. Yeah, he came on our show like soon after he signed that deal. He seemed like a, a chill dude, and you know, I, it sucks when guys get hurt like that. But hopefully, he does right. better with his next opportunity. Hey, Mac, what you got for Jesse Bates? Right. It's nothing personal there. He just he just got hurt. That's all. Yeah, yeah. it's rough. Um. I think that they are going to extend Jesse Bates. I I think that you it's too much. Like there's a lot of p- pressure. That's one thing. Like you can say whatever that factor is, rate that how you want to. But I think that it's actually like he's his play on the field was undeniable in the, in the playoffs. I mean you can't. And um, the 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 cap is always it's going to go up every like it's always going to go up. It's always going to increase. Is whatever. Whatever the highest paid person this year. You know what I mean? It's it doesn't mean that much in the long term. I hope they don't franchise tag a man. Like it just, you you see that it affects the con, you know, the what it is on the field. Like you know, you see that it affects how he plays on the field. He admitted it at himself as much. So I mean, you're almost doing your team a disservice by doing that. If you're gonna kind, if you're gonna franchise tag him, you know, you're putting yourself a bit at a disadvantage. You're putting him at a disadvantage mentally. So your team at a disadvantage and. And that's just one aspect of it. The morale. He's your homegrown guy. He's the one that you this is this is exactly what you talked about. Retaining your old free agency. He's fits into your your what should have been your uh, free agency mindset in uh, this whole time is oh, draft and retain. So if you can't retain this guy, I, I don't know. Draft and retain doesn't seem as genuine uh, to, to upcoming guys. To to that point, real quick, just to piggyback, we just and to make sure we hit as many bases as possible where we're getting questions. We got a tweet from Greg Kirkhart um, to that was directed to John and I. And uh, John, if you want to take the lead on this too, that's cool. But um, just what do you think the sticking point is? It sounded like AJ said he thought maybe waiting on the Trey Wayne's cutting uh, and seeing exactly what what kind of idea 
they would have on available cap space and what that would look like. But do you see, um, Greg is specifically asking, is it just money in general, guaranteed money length? Uh, it's hard to understand what is holding it up is what Greg tweets at us. So the sticking point meaning like, why is he not signed yet? Why is it not done? Yeah. Yeah. Um, deadline's not here yet. It is all about the deadlines, man. Like the, both sides have a number and that number hopefully gets closer in resemblance in resemblance until the, the, the tag window expires, but it, it's always about the money. I, I think they recognize that they, they have their books. They recognize the financials, what, what space they need, whatnot. It's all about the cash flow. It's all about how much money gets in the first two years, the first three years. How does that match up with Jamal Adams? They, they know that they're not going to give out guaranteed salaries. They have to counter that with roster bonuses and whatnot. And that's just their way of doing it. Bates has an understanding of that. Bates's representation has an understanding of that. So long as the, as the offer is as close as to what Bates wants, he's not going to get to the open market. And I think ultimately the tag will probably be used, but I would have I would have a good feeling that, that they could reach an agreement in the July deadline before that time. So that, that, that's just where I see it until then. You know, it wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me though if they do come to an agreement though. Yeah. Uh, well, I think I think that's going to start wrapping things up for us. We've gone a little long, but it's been awesome. A little bit of news that we did not get to that hit the wire, I think, a little bit before we took the air. Um, Bengals defensive tackle, Rennell Wren is now a Philadelphia yeah. Eagle. He's an Eagle now. Yep. Yeah, Eagle. So he, he, he signed over there. So now that defensive line where there are a lot of impending free agents just got a little bit thinner with Wren leaving for the Eagles. So look for that you know we had the conversation about Ogan Joby and Hill look for the Bengals to really focus in on on that interior defensive line and figure some things out on the defensive line in general with I that I feel like they attack that in a draft a little bit I do too I do too yeah maybe to. yeah yeah a lot of different places good news is they do get Osai back hopefully he'll be looking like the guy that we saw in the one preseason game there he was a, an animal there but hey Aaron and Aaron, thank you so much for for coming on here. Where can where can folks uh, find you on Twitter? Uh, who day AJ? Where are you at again? Uh, hold on a second. I mean, I, I could you know uh, it's a double it's double a double underscore a underscore who day. Okay, and a Mac, where where are you at on Twitter? I am a underscore Mac five one three on Twitter. Uh, I might be might be getting into content creation uh, myself pretty soon here, so be nice. on the lookouts for that. But nice. uh, if you want, if you want uh, some some the occasional Bengals news with a whole bunch of memes that I deem funny, feel free to follow. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like right. it. Well, yeah. thank you both for coming on and and uh, making a good amount of time. We'll make this. Uh, like I said, this this won't be a one time thing. We'll we'll definitely have you guys back and do some different things with you for sure. Appreciate you making the time. And for those who are new around these parts, this is the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast, which is part of the Cincy Jungle podcast channel and is under the SB Nation network umbrella. And this show, along with Orange is the New Black from Ace and Zim and Coach Speak and Chalk Talk from Matt Minnick are all part of the Cincy Jungle podcast channel. If you like the audio side of things, you can find our show and those shows on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, all the major streamers. We are on there you got to look for the Cincy Jungle Podcast channel. And, of course, this time it's right – I believe it's right down by AMAC there. There's going to yep. be a little icon that you can click to subscribe okay. to that side. There you go. Right, <laughs> uh, click, click that to subscribe yeah. and uh, hit the bell to be notified when we go live, when when new content gets available. 
So you get notified right when new stuff like listener questions live with some special guests comes out for you. Gentlemen, it's been a pleasure, John. It's been a pleasure as usual, my friend. Um, and Aaron and Aaron, thank you so much for, for coming on the show. Once again, we'll make it a, a, a more than one time thing, a regular thing for sure. But thanks for making time, fellas. I definitely Absolutely. appreciate you guys having me on, man. I just, this is awesome. Yeah. This is definitely Thank you awesome. very this much, guys. Awesome. Great. Oh, yeah. Who day? Who day? Definitely who day? Who day? All right. Take care. Right. Enjoy your weekend. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. You too.